Blog Talk Radio. Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. It's Friday. No kidding. Past hump day. I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we made it to the end of another week, and here we are on the yes, radio. Yes, we are. Yes, we are all, we have gone the distance once again. <laughs> once again. <laughs> once again. Well, Watch, you know, but rinse, I, repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It's just, you know, what is the old saying? Same story, different characters. <laughs> right. So here we are, our show once again is coming to everyone live, and we are obviously doing this not necessarily in the same room, but that's still live to what we are doing, and we kind of have to go with the, so what was our week like before we go too far, because we obviously have things that have happened, or not as the case may be. So, <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, Elvira, let's see. Um, even though it's January, right? Yes, and PantheaCon yes, is, is yeah, PantheaCon is a little less than a month away um, because this year Milk and Honey is vending at PantheaCon, and I am co-hosting, facilitating, priestessing, however you want to refer to that a Aradia ritual on Friday night and I am co-facilitating a workshop on working with the spirits of place on Friday night and I just got a lot to prepare for PantheaCon even though I have a bunch of stuff going on before PantheaCon I'm sort of focused on getting ready for PantheaCon <laughs> mm-hmm. no so the feeling, like, you know 
Yeah, that's kind of where everything is at the moment. And it's funny because, you know, like a retail shop, Valentine's Day is a thing. Even though I'm not a big Valentine's Day person, I still need to do the things to get ready for Valentine's Day. And I'm still like, oh, Pantheacon. <laughs> <laughs> we know where so your that, focus that, is at. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm super busy as per usual. Um, and today I had a, a gem fair and you know, my, my menstrual cycle started and and I'm uncomfortable and tired and feeling the energy of the full moon and blah. And yeah. So that's where I'm at. How about you? <laughs> How about me? Gee, gosh, golly, gee, willikers. Well, you know, the, the week has been reasonable. I don't consider it a, you know, a high point or a low point. It's just, you know, it's, as I would say, toddled along on its own two feet. Um, the fact that I had a new furnace put in, um, and due to pulling a permit and, you know, through the state of California's, you know, location, and since it's a mobile home, it has a different section, but I still now have to call and get an inspector to come out. Um, but at least, you know, I have a while from the actual time that it happened, but in the meantime, there was a little bit of a, a glitch in the heating system, so I had them come out, and, and as it turns out, part of the mechanical process isn't something that would fail it, but it would still be a pro- potential problem. So mm. they are going to have to replace it, which at no cost to me. And yeah. that, of course, is I have to make time in my week to be here for them to do it when it gets here. So, you know, that mm. started out as week and now move to next week and, you know, all that. So that is, you know, again, one of those, like, it's never done until it's done kind of a thing. And, uh, right. the rest, you know, is I got to do an extra day at Milk and Honey doing readings because one of our readers is out for a little bit. And so I picked up the few days and it was productive and, um, you know, it's just, I don't. I haven't taken Christmas down. I'm sitting here looking at my beautifully lit and decorated tree and all the other things, and I was going to do that. And then some of the things that took my mind off of it said, "Oh, I really don't want to try doing that. I just don't have the oh." So the boss yeah. is sitting there waiting for things to go in. I will be also doing a guest spot on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour or Hoodoo Root Work Show. On this coming mm-hmm. Sunday, I have to come up with my whole thing, and I chose the lunar eclipse, full moon, super moon, wolf moon, whatever you know we're going to describe it as. But I chose to do that as a, a focal point, and I think after hearing what's happened with you, I'd probably say it's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> sort of come up with a little bit of a discussion of something like that hitting us. Um, and maybe giving a little bit of an idea what, you know, those things affect us on. So right. there's all that. So, oh, and here we are, the, the subject that we chose for this week, you know, magical alphabets and sigils, it's, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a little awe-inspiring. I mean, I started in and I went, okay, and then I began to get swamped, and then I kind of had to sit back and go, what is it that I really feel? But it's very broad and it's very intense so 
Um, and you brought up some interesting ideas before the show. So I think it's going to be a very fun-filled, packed information show. Right. So, yeah. Good, yay. So, yay! Okay. And the fact that we're both comfy and cozy in our nice homes having these yeah. conversations makes it kind of nice considering we've had flooding and mudslides here because of the yeah. It was rather intense on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, so I'm kind of happy that we didn't have rain today and that things are trying to kind of get out from under. So, Yeah, yeah we had a power outage this last week, and, um, you know, right about dinner time, actually right when dinner was basically done being cooked, it was kind of good timing. And then uh-huh. me and my partner and my daughter were like, well, now what are we going to do? Like, what do we do without the, t- the TV or computer or whatever? So I pulled out Go Magic and I started reading it out loud for us. And uh-huh. we spent uh-huh. the next two hours doing that. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you reconfigure things. I used to live um, in a canyon here in, in the center of the area. And invariably, it, was, uh, it would have power outages. And, you yeah. know, obviously... Uh, we were an all-electric house, so it meant that we didn't have anything—heating, water, pump, nothing. So it was—it was—it was like camping out in your house, and we did have a fireplace, so that made it kind of comfy, and you know, you could sit in front of it and feel much better. But um, it changes how you do things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway, but, yeah. magical. All right. Alphabet. So let's just. <laughs> kind of go into magical alphabets and sigils and all. So, yeah. Well, let's see. What is a magical alphabet? Excellent what question, Elvira. <laughs> well, you know, well, we were kind of talking about this before the show started, and and I don't know. Maybe we have the same opinion. Maybe we don't. I'm not certain, but I feel like a magical alphabet is is um. It's two part. One is to keep things secret so that if someone else stumbles across your book of shadows or your spells or whatever, they won't know what it says at first glance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second part is, you know, we need um, spell work and magic needs to appeal to our child selves, to our fetch, mm-hmm. that sticky part, that primal part of ourselves. And language, written language especially, doesn't usually do that. Uh, right. And so it can be a little too right brain or left brained or whichever brained it is, the more logical side of us. And uh-huh. a magical alphabet is a way to sort of engage both of those brains because it is written word, it is language, it is that more cerebral way of being, but it, it uh, forces you to look at it with a more artistic eye, more playfully, uh, and, and so it engages that child self a little bit more than English might. Right, and yeah. I happen to agree with you, so we don't have a difference of opinion on it. it well, it is, there you go. There you go. One of the, you know, not that we have major differences, but we do occasionally. Uh, yeah. I, I have found when I was looking at all these different things, it was, especially if it's not, it's something that we don't normally do. It's not our language. It's certainly not our regular language. It makes makes it feel, you know, special and fun and and you know, doing these things is part of putting that that energy 
into whatever we're writing, either a spell or it's, you know, putting things on objects that we want to make more um, powerful and sacred. So, right. and, you know, we, we all, you know, like tarot is a big thing, and we, we all look at tarot as a series of pictures and things that have meaning, and, of course, that, again, is the same idea of the child, but it has layers. But when you get into mm-hmm. things like runes or different scripts, you kind of get excited because it's got a meaning, but you it has a different way of speaking to you. Right. So. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So with that, let's sort of dive in and see the different, uh, you know, just sort of do a little chat about the different ones that are out there and what are yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, so, and Elvira and I talked about this ahead of time. Obviously, it's hard to do a radio show about something visual because you can't see it necessarily. So some of the the alphabets we're going to talk about today we'll post in our Facebook page. So if you want to actually see what any of these alphabets look like, you can go ahead, go to our Facebook page, which Priestess Cauldron on Facebook, and you'll be able to see some of these scripts that we're talking about. Right. So, yeah, we were we were trying to think of ways we could visually kind of do this, but a radio show is a radio show. It has no yep. way to be visual. <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. So let's dive in. Let's start in. I think that I will let you lead at the moment for a couple of them, and sure. then I'll sort of throw things in. Yeah, so the one I think of first when I think of magical alphabets is the Theban script, and that's probably because it was one of the first, um, it was one of the first alphabets I was introduced to in my early days of practicing witchcraft, Um, and the Theban script is, you know, this, this symbol represents A, this symbol represents B, and it's very different. It, it, you wouldn't necessarily look at it and be able to translate that to A, B, or C. Um, they don't, there isn't really a clear history with the Theban script. We don't really know where it appeared. There was a book in 1518 called the Trithemius. No, no, I'm sorry. It was called Polygraphia, written by... Trithemius, uh, Um and it's been called the Witch's Alphabet many times. I think it's and it's been in like Buckland's Book of Witchcraft, the Grimoire of the Green Witch. I think it's in a lot of witchcraft books, calling it the the Witch's Alphabet. Um, right. And in the 16th century, it was used a lot in occult writing. Uh, right. So that's the one. That's the first place my mind goes when someone mentions a magical alphabet, I immediately assume they're talking about Theban script. And, I know uh, and it Gardnerian. wasn't until I started research. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> you there? Yeah. Hello? Oh, sorry. I thought I switched you off when I, I got excited oh, no. when I wanted to say the Gardnerian, which is also used that a lot in the Theban sure. script. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I apologize. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't until researching the show. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Researching the show. Yes. Something I, oh, oh, I, I, I remembered now looking at my notes. Um, the, there's another word for this script, which is 
Honorian. And I've never heard that before. So there you yeah. go. Something new. I know. Catch you, catch you off guard on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one, and, and you know, interesting enough, the, the Celtics had the Ogham, and, you know, that was the first one I actually got introduced to, which is interesting right. that yours was Stephen and mine was Ogham. Um, and, you know, they have them named with tree names, and they have, like, the 13 trees, but then it kind of it expands to, like, 24, 25 symbols, and, you know, then they have mm-hmm. a version called the Gaelic, which is 17 to 18, and so it, it was originally set so you could basically carve it on a stone, in a, you know, using a straight line, and then carve it um, with lines either on wood or stone, so it's it's basically different lengths of lines on different sides of the central line. So it, right. um, it has a different view. And then, you know, they kind of took on versions of it down the road and, and changed it a little bit, but it was originally set up for that particular purpose. It's to, you know, carve on stone or wood. Yeah. I've also heard it pronounced Ohm. It's de- it definitely looks like Agam, but I've heard folks pronounce it as Ohm, and it's supposedly goes back to the Picts of, yeah. of uh, Scotland, but we can't really know that for sure. I, I think it's a beautiful, fantastical idea, but we can't know that for sure. And it's very simple. It, it, it looks like little dashes and lines. It's, you know, it's very simple. I have a, a set of staves of little pieces of wood that have the different ohm trees on them. Um, right. And once upon a time, I had I had a grand idea of learning the ohm and reading them like runes, and that never manifested. I took a whole workshop, and I bought this fancy set, and I was into it, and I don't remember a damn word of it. So it's just not my not my method. Well, it's but very funny about that alphabet. Yeah, that alphabet is also a divination system. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because that was exact. I kid you not. Back when I had my store, that's exactly what I thought I was going to do too. <laughs> oh, it's kind of it lends itself to the process, just like you know some of these other alphabets we'll be talking about are done as divination tools rather than maybe just using them to spell out you know spells and words and things like that. So right. But, um, yeah, and uh, I know that when you said pickish, it's like they had even more. It's fascinating because sometimes when you hear that word and it's like, yes, this is part of it, (laughs) excuse me, that they had another one that was more swirly and, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, uh, you have to learn the circles and the swirls, and that I think became how they wrote some of the, um, some more uh, special works that they wanted right. to put. So, but yeah, that was that was one of the things you said, and I thought, oh, oh yeah, so with that too. You know, and you said there were some at, that you mentioned actually, like some of the other ones that you found mm-hmm. out about that you might want to just mm-hmm. sort of throw at people tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the others is the Enochian script, 
which was mm-hmm. supposedly channeled by John Dee and Edward Kelly back in the 16th century. Um, you know, John, if you've never heard of John Dee, look him up. He was a, a cultist in the 16th century, did a lot of weird shit, was an advisor to Queen Elizabeth, I think, um, if I'm getting my timelines right. He was advising to somebody important in England. Um, but he did all kinds of crazy occult stuff. And uh, it is believed that they channeled this alphabet through invoking and commanding of spirits which is a very ceremonial magic thing to do and they wrote down all of what they learned from this um this work that they did together they put it into the book of enoch which is it's about speaking to angels really um right they it was they believed or they wrote that this was the language that god used to create the world and that it had, they had channeled it and then it sort of disappeared out of existence until the 19th century and then the hermetic order of the golden dawn which is a modern um sect of magicians ceremonial magicians started reusing it they revitalized it and it's the enochian script is still very part of the hermetic order of the golden dawn now so it's this interesting language that sort of fell away and got lost and then was revitalized by a modern magical order which is pretty cool right right yeah it's yeah that it makes you realize how yes these were things that were used but as we've talked about you know following a unbroken lineage in a lot of the, the the ceremony on which you know witchcraft traditions is that mm-hmm. kind of had a broken point, and then they they kind of resurfaces, but gets utilized in a more modern way than it was. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, and I know yeah. we. Go ahead. What I find interesting about some of these alphabets is looking at them with their English counterparts, you know, and, and uh-huh. what letters are deemed superfluous, you know, like um, in the Enochian alphabet, because I, ha- I have it up right in front of me right now, is E, I, and Y are all the same symbol. Um, and then U, V, and W are all the same symbol. And C and K are both the same symbol. So it's just interesting which letters they deemed duplicates, you know? Right. Um, in, at least in comparison to English, which these folks, you know, in the 1600s or the 16th century, they were speaking English. It's not the English we're speaking right now, <laughs> but it, true. it was English. Yeah. 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 And it, it's like even in, because I, I was following the Pickish one, and, and there's, you know, like a couple of versions of it. One is more um, a variation of runes, and then the other one is, of course, the Pickish script. And what you're talking about is what the vowels were and how a hard one gets a line up and another line over. And and I was just looking at this going, it was a version that they modernized, I think, more than they did when it originally was set up. So, and you're right, they they had ones that they decided, well, like, X is not important and this is not important. Right, right. Okay, yeah, so... It's what draws you as a person and what you feel you want to uh, experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's that. And you were mentioning a couple of them that were uh, more ceremonial, and you were going to mm-hmm. kind of throw those out. 
Yeah, there just you know, in researching magical alphabets, I came across the alphabet of the Magi, which I just like the sound of. Uh, and the or <laughs> the origins of this alphabet are completely unknown. It's attributed to Periclesis, Periclesis. Uh-huh. Sorry, uh-huh. Uh, but it's actually no. It's not found in any of his writings anywhere. But for some reason, he still gets credit for it. So go figure. Right. Um, but there are many um, occultists over the years that have associated this alphabet with the the archangel Raphael. Uh, and it's included in the the, eight, the 1888 edition of the Key of Solomon, which is a, a, a cult book that's been used for, you know, well, probably close to 150 years now, um, mm-hmm. maybe even longer, depending on when the first edition came out. But it's, um, it's still a, a, a book that's used by modern people studying the occult and studying magic. Uh, and so if you are interested in the – if you read the Key of Solomon um, or you're interested in some of that work, the alphabet of the Magi is one of them. Uh, and then the other one, this uh, sort of esoteric one, is the Celestial Alphabet, which you, if you've read any magical type book, even like a Wicca book, you've probably seen there, something very similar to the Celestial Alphabet. It's little tiny circles – with, li- with lines that connect them in different shapes and formations. Often you see the celestial um, sigils, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but the sigils are like this, this sigil is for the planet Mars or for the archangel Raphael or whatever, but the, um, the alphabet is the basis of that, and it's considered to be some sort of weird amalgamation of Agrippa and... Um, John D. Some for some reason is connected to it. Uh, it. It's in the occult, the book called the Occult Philosophy, where it's referred to as angelic script, celestial script, uh-huh. angelic script. Um, so there you go. Um, but it is supposedly Agrippa supposedly created it, uh, and it's an, a more of an air the element of air alphabet because it is connected to the sky and the angelic realms and the planets and things like that. Right. Right. It's, it's yeah. That yeah, I, when I'm, I'm going to mention some stuff on the Italian side a little later, when yeah. we get to move there, but it's interesting that this, when you look at it, because basically I'm not looking at a computer, I'm actually looking at a, yes, hand, a, a copy of it by virtue of, you know, uh, Xeroxing it, if I could use an old word, but that being the case. And it is interesting because looking at it, it is very much um, a, akin to the air and celestial or, as they want to call it, angelic realm up there. Right. So um, in terms of that and... You know, it comes to looking at it may have been started that way, but does it speak to you? And and I think uh, some of the scripts that we're talking about may not be used as a way to make our spell book, but it's ways to do magical spells. And I, I can see right. where you could take and say, this is air, this is fire, this is water, this is earth, in terms of using different alphabets for the elements. Mm-hmm. Which kind of piques my interest, but uh, one of the ones that I, of course, we all know, we all know, is the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of was brought together by Sir Wallace Budge's book, Egyptian Language. And, of course, if anyone knows what cartouches are and, and you know, the mummy and the mummy returns and the mummy resurrected and all the rest of it, um, you're going to know all about hieroglyphs and what they are and what they, you know, are supposed to do. But it's it's one that has been heavily used, and it's, you know, from that time, from ancient Egyptian times. So in a way, it does have an unbroken lineage of its own. Right. So, but uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, that was, at, and actually between the Agam and the hieroglyphs were the ones that drew me first when I started in. And I think every little, well, I don't know every little girl, I know that mine was, the you know, was Egyptian. And then I kind of went to the, you know, more to the to the Greek, but um, and my daughter wound up doing that too, which is fascinating. So I got to will all of my Egyptian statues that I had acquired to my daughter, which now unfortunately are sitting in her storage unit in Arkansas. So so much for following a tradition. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, but. Um, and I think, you know, when you talk about the different uh, structures, there's a story about the Hebrew alphabet. And, you know, there are a couple of major ones that are called fire symbols. And way back when I first kind of delved into yet another level, there was a lot of work being done with the um, Ascension people. And mm -hmm. they kind of gravitated to the Hebrew alphabet and to this particular sector of what they were doing with the fire symbols to bring the element of enlightenment and ascension to it. And I found it fascinating when I started looking at all of these different things because I also learned when I was learning the Tarot that the different major arcana cards have a particular Hebrew alphabet that is attached to it, too. And um, I thought that was, you know, kind of, I'm not looking at this going now. I'm seeing the much bigger picture than what I was learning at the time. But um, yeah, it really, it really is an ancient, ancient, and again another unbroken uh, lineage of uh, structure of magic that people right. have adopted, whether they are Hebrew or not. Mm-hmm. So. Anyhow, any other thoughts on, on so far what we're doing? I know we're kind of perusing these quickly because, you know, some of this, as we say, is visual, so it's kind of hard to yeah. to show. This is the one that they talk about to find. Actually, there is, there is a story, and I still have them. Um, some gentleman, and I can't remember, again, so many different paths we take and so many different places we dip our toes into, but he was making, out of heavy-duty wire, the um, 3D of these fire, the fire alphabet, the, the, the one that is the fire. And, again, I have no idea. I can't find the actual letter. But And he made it in a 3D so that you literally put it around your thumb and your index fingers and kind of scooped your other together and you would hold them one and left, one and right, to bring your vibration up in meditation to that symbol 
and to the higher um, sphere and probably closer towards Kether and, you know, the, the above um, yeah. aspect. It was really, and to this day I still have them. I have them in my magical um, chest of different yeah. things that I kept. But I was, when I started reading this, and I'm going, oh, my God, I do have that. <laughs> and so I have no idea. I don't know if it actually, I mean, obviously I didn't ascend because I'm still here. So whatever it was, I did whatever <laughs> I needed to. But I didn't go whatever the level is to go up there and, and float around or become, you know, an ascended master walking on this earth. I That didn't work. So, oh, right. Well. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> I have to have a sense of humor with some of this, really, because I know that oh, yeah, getting absolutely. into it, you know, we start with such heavy ideals and intense desires and, and then kind of have to muddle through what we would normally call our regular everyday stuff and kind of lose momentum sometimes. Of course, we also have the Greek alphabet, which is another one right. that very intensely used, and it's, you know, a, a modern alphabet, but it is not modern, so modern that we can't use it in our magical practices. So, right, um, and then there's the big one that we haven't talked about yet, which is runes. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. I love runes. I love runes. Yeah, and runes is, is the Norse alphabet, um, mm-hmm. and if you... If you, but it's also a divination system, like we talked about with the Ohm system or the Ogham system. It's, a div, it's been turned into a divination system because each letter has more meaning behind it than just the sound of a letter, uh, uh-huh. which is what English has kind of been distilled into, just different sounds. The, the, the letters represent sounds. Uh, and right. in the runic alphabet, the letters represent a deeper meaning than that. So you can definitely write things in runic alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that anyone is using those for sound. However, there is a practice called Galder, which is freaking amazing. And if you are into the runes, if you are curious about the runes, if you want to learn to use the runes for divination, um, I would highly recommend looking up Galder, G-A-L-D-R, because you can do transpositions. You can put your body in the shape of the runes and then chant the name of the rune. And you you do it very slowly. So it's not like, you know, for example, one of the runes is Wunjo. You would just go Wunjo, Wunjo, Wunjo. You do it really slow, like very slow, so it vibrates through your body uh, while you hold the position. And it gives you a whole kinesthetic experience of the runes. It's very powerful. It's one of my favorite practices because I'm, I'm a runes girl. Um, but it's personal. I don't read other people's runes. It's part of my personal practice. Uh, mm-hmm. So... You know, you could take these alphabets deep. You know, it doesn't just yeah. have to be something you carve on your wand or you, car- you, you know, draw into your athame. It could be part of your spiritual practice. Right, right, definitely. And kind of on that note from runes, the, the Tuscan witches script is, is basically a runic alphabet from the Etruscan alphabet. And, again, it's got, you know, it's, it's kind of, 
uh, a similar process in terms of working with the rooms in that way, but then there's a, a split where you can actually use them as mm -hmm. um, divination tools. So there's like a actual right. uh, pattern you can throw on and what it represents. Mm -hmm. And uh, Raven Gormasi in his hereditary hereditary uh, witchcraft basically talks a lot about that. And so there is that. And then he goes into, and this is what got me excited, into the star magic and sea magic runes. And these were specifically done for um, divination. So there was, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, they attach, the star ones attached to the actual star uh, uh, constellation or star, and it has the little circle in the lines, and you can draw them on the sand, and they were, one was the Tanaric, which is, and was the generic riches, and they're basically got different meanings, and we'd have to go into what um, uh, Stregoria is, and, and that kind of gets a little interesting. But it's basically you use these. You etch them, you use them, and then you you, you read them in a, room, in a um, divination way. And that actually got me jazzed when I started reading that and I started getting into that. I just... You know, as you say, it's personal. It becomes more personal than it becomes using it for others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think <laughs> we're kind of at a point where we should probably do our our uh, um, our genie our break our break. Yeah. Yes, we should probably. So stay tuned for some studio announcements. <laughs> we'll be back and in then we will. And we will. All right. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Holly. Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain. Tuesdays, 5 to 6. Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse. Fridays, 4 to 5. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay. Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And there we are, very short, but here we back again. <laughs> We're back. Did We're you back. miss us? I missed you. What the heck? I missed them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so sigils, um, sigils, you know, an interesting thing is sigils have, you know, uh, they're things that we have seen drawn and, and we've actually bought items, talismans, amulets that have it on it. And they're basically created with specific symbols to influence, you know, situations and people and things like that. So you, you want to kind of give a an overview because we do have at the end we're going to mention a few books that people can get involved yeah. in. 
Yeah, so and I love sigils. It's one of the things I teach in my uh, Intro to Witchcraft classes, and um, I think they're really fun and powerful. But it's basically the, the generic concept is taking a larger energetic and distilling it down to a symbol. So, you, you know, there are sigils out there already. There are lots of people who create sigils and draw sigils and use sigils for magic. Uh, but you can make your own, and I actually find it way more effective if you don't just look up a sigil that someone else has made, but you create your own. Um, uh-huh. And one of the ways I like to do it is super easy. It's it's a distillation process, but it starts with your intention. And maybe just for ease, your intention might be a spell. Like you might decide, I want new love, or I want Um, financial security or I want health whatever whatever it is your intention is write that in a sentence right so for ease we're going to make a sigil of the name phoenix because it's just easier than having a full-on sentence Uh, but the first step is to write that down write out phoenix then you would go through and slash out any duplicate letters well there aren't any in phoenix (laughs) So uh-huh. right, but if there were, we would cross out those letters and then rewrite the sentence beneath it. Then you cross out any vowels, and there are several. And you get to decide if a Y is a vowel in your sigil world. And then you rewrite it below that. And you have a few consonants left. Ideally, you have anywhere between like two and seven consonants left. And then you just take those consonants and you make a symbol out of them, flip them upside down, flip them reverse, layer them on top of each other, create a symbol with that. And then that can be your magical signature. That can be what you put on all your magical objects if your name was Phoenix, you know, which mine happens to be. So, you know, this could work for me. If your name's not Phoenix, then use your name, obviously. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Really? <laughs> Otherwise, all your magical things belong to me. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, that's, it's, that's a simple way of doing it. But you can make it as complex or as beautiful as you want. And that's actually what I think is most important about a sigil. It should appeal to your aesthetics. And I have a lot of planets in Venus. So the way things appeal aesthetically is important in my life. But if you're making a sigil for, for a spell or for your name or for your magic, you want to look at it and think how lovely it looks or how powerful it looks or how interesting it looks. So keep mm-hmm. playing with it until it looks a way that you want. Right. Uh, and that's just one way to make sigils. There's, there are other ways to make sigils. Um, and actually one of the biggest arguments about making sigils is once you're done, whether you charge it or not. And, um, I am a charger. I like to charge my sigils and, and, and activate them and breathe life into them because that's how I work magically. Uh, but there is, there is a lot of people who, don't, who think once you've created the sigil, it has its power, it has its intention, and it doesn't need a special ceremony or life-breathing process or anything like that. You don't have to activate it. It's already active. So, right. Um, your mileage may vary. I don't think there's a right answer. I think what feels correct and appropriate for your heart is what's correct and appropriate for how you might work with a sigil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's very, very uh, concise. And I think it also leaves you with a lot to work with and mm-hmm. expand. So any number yeah. of 
the things that we've talked about, alphabets that we've talked about, can mm-hmm. be utilized in making sigils. I Absolutely. also know we have certain, you know, uh, a star, a crescent, moon, you know, different mm-hmm. things that we see as visuals are also things that can get incorporated into a sigil. So um, I think that broadens the, the base of where you can work. I think that it is a... It's a pictorial, it's a, it's a picture, and um, as alphabets are letters that can create a sentence or a picture of, you know, a certain kind of look, uh, sigils actually are more of an art form in its own right. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And there, um, you know, for example, in in the runic alphabet, there's already a whole system of sigils. They're called bind runes, and they already mm-hmm. exist, and they're thousands of years old. And you can go and look up, you know, there's a bind rune for Odin. There's a bind rune for safe travel. There's a bind rune for uh, all of these different things, and, and they're easy to find. Um, you may have even seen the, the bind rune for safe travel or protection. Many people get tattooed on themselves. It's become a pretty popular Norse tattoo. Um, but that's a way, you know, that symbol has thousands of years of, of energy behind it. I don't necessarily think you have to breathe life into that sigil. It already has life breathed into it from the centuries that people have been working with it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, if you want to imbue it for a specific way, if you're going to draw it on the dust on the roof of your car, you know, you may right. just want to say a little prayer while you draw it in the dust on the roof of your car. <laughs> uh, you know, just to Before add a rains. little connection. Right. <laughs> Not that my car right. is dusty or anything. Oh, okay. Well, I guess mine used <laughs> to be, but the rain kind of did its number, I guess. But, <laughs> and it's true, you know, way, way, way back when um, I went to Sicily with my husband and my stepdaughter and her boyfriend. I had had an issue that came up, and we were having a little bit of difficulty as sometimes on journeys, and I don't want to call them vacations because they were actually, it was more than a vacation. So I went out to, from where we were, it was right there on the Mediterranean. It wasn't, you know, so I went to the beach, and I just started making symbols. I didn't ask myself what they meant. I may have made a swirl. I did this, and it was almost like, Exactly what I was doing was not only writing out things, but I was creating the the sigil for what I wanted to try and bring peace and harmony and, and create that energy. And then, of course, the water would wash it away, and I found that that was something I just did instinctively. I didn't have a mind that I was going to do any of that. I just found I had to go to the water, and I had to get away from everybody else, so this is what I was going to do. And... Yeah. Um, so it can be as spontaneous as that, or it can be as thought out as you want it to be. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I Absolutely. Know Just like with everything, trust your instincts. Exactly. There's, there's so much out there that um, do's and don'ts and yeses and no's and things like that and stuff, mm-hmm. and there's a feel. And I think that's the most important thing. And I know people freak out because they feel that their feel isn't valid. They don't trust themselves. And uh, part of magic is learning to trust 
yourself in mm-hmm. whatever goes on because you're you've got to have an inner compass and that inner compass is what you're working on. So um in terms of that. There are um one of the things I was saying we needed to say is that there are certain books that we have, you know, used or that you have in your store, and um, I know that uh, Nigel Pennock's Magical Alphabets is a really intense and well-researched uh, book on all of the right. different alphabets, some which we've already mentioned, some that I, you know, never did mention or didn't choose to, and also about doing magical squares and doing, you know, those kinds of things that use alphabets and use numbers and changes and things like that for spell work as much as um, anything else. So that's one I wanted to throw out. Do you have any? Books? Yes, books. Yeah, well, yes, actually. Um, well, Sigil Magic, which came out last year by Laura Tempest Zakoff, Zakoff, which we've probably talked about before, is a really great book. And Tempest is a, is a personal friend. She's amazing. Um, she's an artist. And so her the Sigil book that she wrote is about creating your own sigils based on how you look at symbology. So what does the moon, a crescent moon, what does that mean to you? It doesn't matter what it meant to Agrippa a thousand years ago. What does it mean to you? So if you were to add that into a sigil, how would it represent? And then she gives some really simple and easy suggestions. Like if you use arrows pointing outward in your sigil, it's things you want to send away. If you use arrows painting inwards, it's something you want to call in. Like these are, you know, simple and obvious things. Right. And a lot of it's based on her artistry. So her book is a lot about the first half is what are sigils and how do you use them? And then the second half is symbology and what are these different symbols and how could you potentially use them? Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty great book. I recommend it a lot. I actually own it and I'm very happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually what's funny is I've been working, so I'm, I'm writing my second book for Llewellyn and it's a lot of about working with beauty. And just having this radio show today, I'm like, oh, I should make some beauty sigils. And I'm going to pull out Tempest's book when we get off the phone and start <laughs> devising some beauty sigils. Uh, <laughs> this is always good for the juices, isn't it? Even if we are sitting yeah. here talking about something else. Yeah. Yeah. So... And I'm glad because I, and it's funny because I did buy the book there at, you know, Milk and Honey uh, because it really intrigued me. And as I said, I've had other things I've done over the years, but this, this I think, took it to a different level. So I right. really recommend the book and um, I enjoy it totally all the time. So there's yeah. that. And, of course, we have a much more, I don't know if the word is ancient, I'm, I'm really not into the how how old is this book kind of a thing, but it's Practical Sigil Magic, Creating Personal Symbols for Success by Freighter UD. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it has, uh, it's more ceremonial. It has a lot to, you know, to work with, and it it, it works in a different way. But it, yeah. um, it, I think it's more intellectual, if you really want to, between that and the other, digital book. Uh, one is one side, one is the other. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
So, and uh, obviously the biggest thing that you can do is go on the Internet. I mean, what more can you say? And, and you know, put, type in uh, magical alphabets and you will get visuals. And then I'm sure with those you can also get different um, informational websites that, that work yeah. on talking about it. So. Yeah, and sigil is spelled S-I-G-I-L, just in case you were curious. We we carry these really cool sigil pendants. Um, they're actually bind runes, but I, we call them sigils at the shop. And I get people all the time asking how to pronounce that word or saying sigil or whatever. So I just I thought, oh, we might want to spell sigil <laughs> in case you didn't know. Right, right. Well, there you go. And it, it, um, these are all different ways to get to the same thing, but we were going to talk really briefly about using the English language that we happen to have here as a way to do magic and, uh, sigils and different things. So since Mm -hmm. you brought it up, I'm going to leave that one in your doorstep. Yeah, well, you know, we when we first started talking about sigils on the show tonight, I mentioned, you know, making a sigil with your name or with an intention for a spell or whatever, and that's kind of the same concept. The English language or other modern languages aren't any less magical than some of these ancient and older alphabets or channeled alphabets or whatever. These are the alphabets of evolution, Um, And one of the things I think is really romantic um, about sigils is using a different language that's alphabet does not match our own. So, you know, the English alphabet is the English alphabet and French and Spanish, you know, most of the the Latin languages have basically the same alphabet, Uh, but like Cyrillic or Korean or some of these languages that have completely different alphabets it could be really beautiful to use that as a magical alphabet. The, it's because you can't look at it and complete, immediately decipher what the meaning is. So, again, it, it changes your brain pattern. And it changes the way you look at things, and it engages that child self. Uh, and so we have modern language right now that can be used, even English. You know, there's nothing wrong with English. I'm, it's the only language I can speak <laughs> most of the time. Um, right. It, but, you know, it's it's getting creative with these languages and playing with them um, and uh, turning them into magical symbols. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, uh, it just is looking at something from a little different perspective to create that part of what we call magic. Yeah. Right. I think we were uh, – this is a, a – this is a wide – uh, topic, but it it really boils down to these are all areas that people have taken different things and created um, the usage of lines and circles and things that mean an A or a B or whatever. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the actual alphabet that we use is Aramaic. So, I mean, we do mm-hmm. have to look at the fact that we are not English in that sense. It's it's an Aramaic, just like we do with, you know, our um, numerals and things that they have sort of utilized. It's not Roman, and that's all it went, and there was no other place it came from. So, right, um, right. It's a combination. Yes, it is. It is. So, yeah. well, this is there we go. Exciting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. But, uh, 
Yeah. So go out and write magical symbols everywhere. Do it. Do it. I.e. tagging, right? Isn't that another yeah. version of it? Yeah. So not yeah, that we should absolutely. be telling people to go tag buildings. Please realize we are um, <laughs> letting you just, you know, do it on the sand, do it in the dirt, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. These things there. And, uh, yeah, have fun. Have fun. Have fun. So next week we're going to have fun mm-hmm. with Bridget. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm glad you have your notes because I couldn't remember what we were doing next week. Next week? Well, I, I actually, you know, was like, oh, I should say something about next week because we're not, you know, we're kind of, um, we're coming into a couple of day, uh, weeks where, you know, we will be doing Ask a Witch in a couple of weeks. So um, yeah. that's something we need to remind everyone to yeah. put up information. Send us your questions and thoughts and ideas, and um, we'll address your questions on our Ask the Witch episode, which is coming up in a few weeks. Yep, and then yep. very shortly then, after that, it'll be it'll be Pantheon, and you will be whisked away, won't you? <laughs> I will. Yes, I will be dancing with the witches and pagans. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But there we are. So I'm glad that that. Uh, we had this uh, kind of a topic. I wasn't sure when we suggested it. I was like, going, hmm, how do we do alphabets on a radio show? But we figured <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah. So, yeah. But, well, as always, right. thanks for listening. Definitely. Thank you for joining us or joining us later when you listen to it on a uh, podcast recording. And yeah. Uh, safe out there as the weather in all our areas we you know are amping up for the winter and uh, mm-hmm. we'll be back with Bridget to warm our the cockles of our hearts that's right we'll see you next week <laughs> see you next week bye 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 Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.